everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, New Point, and welcome to all six of our campuses. So good to be with you this morning. I also want to welcome all of our students hanging out with us this morning in our adult service. Hope you all, yeah, give it up for our students. So uh, if you're new with us uh, here, here at New Point, we love the next generation. And uh, we love that next generation, not just because we believe they're the future of the church, although they clearly are. We also love them because they are very much an important part of our church today. And they have an incredible role to play in our church. And uh, in fact, this, this summer was actually the first summer in three summers. We were able to take our students back to summer camp and uh, it was incredible. They had a great time. In fact, instead of me just talking about it, what I thought we could do this morning is we, we were able to get some video, at least at least some great video from our middle school camp. I, I'd love to share with you a video just so you could see a little bit of what they were able to experience this summer at camp. Check out this video. God loves me no matter what, and he'll go out of his way to help me out with anything. One thing I found out here is it's okay to be lost, and you can always go to people for help. My favorite part of camp is always looking around the room and seeing how many people are on fire for Jesus, and how many lives he's changed just through five days of camp. It's a time to come here to, I mean, make friends and like experience God and like if you don't know him like get to know him more. Uh, one thing I learned was don't try to be someone you're not because you can still love God and still be cool. I'd say my favorite part is definitely group time because it's it's crazy but group time I can definitely can see these guys as truly who they are kind of what's been on their hearts. It's not like a school field trip it's you you get to buddy up with a partner and go basically wherever you want. I just think it's it's nice that we get our own freedom. They're opening their hearts and they're growing in ways that, you know, uh, most don't get that opportunity to. Um, one of my favorite parts, I say, is the sessions. I think all the messages, messages are just great and they can explain very well. My favorite part of camp has been the, the sessions and all the worship. You, it, you get to learn a lot and it's really fun. Favorite thing that I've learned so far is we're all welcome in God's kingdom. The best thing I've learned here is uh, how everyone, even the lost, are welcome in God's kingdom. Um, last night we had a session that we were learning how to pray in different ways and I myself am an emotional person so I was sobbing. I think the couple of girls had some tears too but it was an amazing experience to be able to get back um, to our dorms and talk it through and um, share what those emotions felt like for all of us. Worship together and just feel the energy in the room and know that they're all, I don't know, feeling it in their own way and, and taking their own portion from the message and relaying it to them. It's just, it's an amazing sight. Um, I feel like here, I don't feel out of place, like in worship. I used to feel like embarrassed maybe singing in the past, but now, like here, I feel so welcome and I can really connect with God. I am very, I'm a very competitive person. <laughs> so I like that they put worship and um, competitiveness together. 
I love seeing everybody so excited about the same thing. Because one day I was just imagining like a stadium just full of people. If that had to be put into real life, this is what it would be. That, that's such a small glimpse of uh, what our students got to experience both at middle school and high school camp. We wanted to share that with you though, uh, because those types of experiences that, that these students are able to experience, the way they're able to experience God in an incredibly new way, that's not possible without your tithes and your offerings. You, that makes it possible. We are able to subsidize the cost of these camps uh, with your gifts. So uh, first and foremost, I just wanna say thank you for your faithfulness in that area. Secondly, here, here's the really cool thing that comes out of those camps or just how those students encounter God. This summer, we had uh, 11 students commit their lives to Christ for the very first time. Isn't that pretty incredible? Yeah. Oh, we had we had another 36 students recommit their lives to Jesus this summer. And that's a really big deal for us because uh, if you're a parent or if you've been a parent, you know, as your kids grow up, the, the biggest concern that you have in your life is that at some point in their lifetime, you really pray that they will start to own the, their faith for themselves. As their kids grow up, uh, at least in the early parts of their lives, they really depend on the faith of their parents that they connect with God as they connect with their parents and as they see their parents connect with God. But there's gotta come a, a time in all of our lives where the faith of our parents becomes our own faith. And I really know of no better catalyst for that to happen than summer camp. And so for me, those decisions on those recommitments to life was those students just saying, hey, I realize I have to own more and more of my faith. We had another 21 students at campus say, say, hey, I really feel called to serve our local church. That's also a big deal for us because as we, as we think about how students as they turn 18 and as they become young adults and then adults, you know, our, our greatest hope as a church is that the faith that they've grown up with will be a sticky faith, that their faith will remain resilient throughout their life. And there's all kinds of great research out there today about some, some different components that help build into a faith sticking in a young person's life for the rest of their life. One of the most important ingredients is students who learn how to serve their church at a young age is often directly correlated to how their faith will stick the rest of life. So we're excited that those students making their decisions. We also had uh, almost a handful of another students saying, hey, I feel like God might be calling me to full-time vocational ministry. So summer camp was a huge hit. We look forward to another great summer next summer. In addition, uh, moms and dads to middle school and the high school camp next summer, we're gonna add in a kids camp uh, for a kids camp on campus. We'll share more dates on that for our elementary age kids too. So we look forward to another great camp season next summer. In addition to those camps, this past week, many of you know, we have, we are getting ready to start a sports, a, a kids sports ministry here in our church called Armor Sports. Uh, this week, uh, we kind of launched that with our very first kids basketball camp. We had over 120 participants. Many of those are unattached to any church and I had a really great week. So we're excited about the future and where that is going as well. Students, let me give you one day and, and parents, one day, important date coming up for our 
student ministry, August 28th, Sunday night, August 28th, at all of our campuses, we're gonna be in a, doing a student kickoff that will kind of set up our, our student ministry for the rest of the school year. So make sure you pencil that night in and make that a priority. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, right now, though, we are gonna wrap up a series we've been in the last month. If you're new with us today, first time being here in over a month, we've been in a, a series on the book of Daniel. It's been called Bye Bye Babylon. And uh, if you're new with us, let me just give you a, a really brief recap of the previous four weeks, which will maybe set up today. Uh, there's three themes that we've basically talked about and one we're gonna wrap up today. The very first theme of Daniel is just this truth that we are all exiles. Daniel and the nation of Israel, uh, at one time, um, they, they chose to forsake God. They decided to do life on their own terms. So God released them to live life on their own terms. And where that led is they were eventually conquered, defeated, and then exiled out of Israel by the Babylonian empire into Babylon. So Daniel with many other Israelites were taken as slaves into Babylon. And like Daniel, even though that maybe hasn't happened to us where another country has come in and taken over us, it's a reminder to us that this world that we live on in is not actually our homes. Our true citizenship lies in heaven. That means we need to do things like this. When it comes to our identity, where we get our value and our worth, our sense of purpose should all come from heaven, from God, rather than being influenced by, by this world and the things of this world. We, we learn to trust in God's timing. We, we, we talked about how God is smarter than us. And he, the ways he works is in ways we don't often see or understand, but we trust that he's always working in our lives. We also talked about this in chapter three of Daniel, that God delivers us. The, the story of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire and how God delivered them from the fire. But, but in that week, we also talked about God's deliverance can look many different ways. Sometimes God delivers us from trials Sometimes he delivers us through those trials, but ultimately one day God will deliver us to our final home through the trials that we face in life because our days are numbered and our life will one day be weighed. That brings us to our last theme and we're gonna wrap up with this. And this is a theme that really runs all throughout Daniel. And it's this theme of Daniel's integrity. Today, we're going to talk, talk about Daniel chapter six, which is probably the most well-known chapter in all of Daniel. In fact, I would say it's probably one of the most well-known stories in the whole Bible. It's Daniel and the lion's den. And I would imagine even if you've never been in church or rarely been in church, there's still a pretty good chance that you've heard something about Daniel and the lion's den and how God saved him out of that. And although Daniel's and the lion's den is a story of God's deliverance, it's another story of how God delivered him. I believe the more important theme that runs in Daniel chapter six is actually about Daniel's integrity. And students, I'm so glad you're with us today because Daniel's life, his integrity didn't start when he was a grown man. It started when he was 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. His integrity began as a teenager. And I, and I think as we look at Daniel's life, there's a couple of components about integrity and how Daniel lived his life that I think we can learn a lot from. I don't think we have to look very far around us to realize that this quality of integrity is missing in so much of the world that we live in. Yet, 
yet it's something that our world so desperately needs. And I believe something that our, that our world actually wants. Integrity, what is it? Well, integrity could be defined in many ways. You've probably heard it said this way before, that integrity is, is uh, this doing the same thing between what you say and what you do. Or integrity could be defined as who you are in public is the exact same person as who you are in private. Here's my favorite definition of integrity. And I believe this definition could come straight from Daniel's life. I actually heard this definition about a year ago from Pastor Andy Stanley. And I absolutely love this definition of integrity. He says this, integrity is doing what you ought to, even when it costs you. Doing what you ought to, even when it costs you. Why is integrity so sorely lacking in our world today? Well, because it's not easy. It costs something to have integrity. I learned this, I learned this lesson at a really young age. And uh, the first time I remember learning this lesson that integrity is doing the thing you ought to, even when it costs you, uh, I learned from my grandpa. Uh, I was with my grandpa one day. I was probably like five or six years old. And uh, we went to this gas station. My grandpa was filling up his trunk with uh, his truck with gas. And while he was filling up with gas, I went inside the little store. And I was walking through the store. There was some grape taffy that caught my eye. I love grape taffy when I was a little kid. And for whatever reason, I didn't think like I don't know. I guess I didn't think my grandpa would buy this taffy for me. And so um, I decided to take it. That's not integrity. So hear me there. That's not the integrity part. We'll get to that in just a little bit. So I take this taffy. I put it in my pocket. We walk out the store and we're headed back to my grandpa's house. For whatever reason, I must have been like playing with the taffy in my pocket or something. My grandpa caught on really quickly to what I'd done. And as soon as he realized that, I, that I'd stolen this taffy from the gas station, he turned the truck around. We drove back to the gas station. He pulled up to the entrance. He said, all right, Dave, get out. You got to go back in the store yourself, give the taffy back to the owner and tell him what you did. It was the right thing to do. It's what I ought to do. And you ask, well, what did it cost me? Well, for one, it, it cost me a great deal of pride. And secondly, I'm pretty sure it cost me a new pair of pants because I'm pretty sure I was peeing down my leg, walking back into the store to tell this grown man that I had just stolen from him. But integrity is doing what you ought to, even when it costs you, it always comes with a cost. But there's a couple of components of integrity that we learn from Daniel's life um, in this story of Daniel chapter six. Here's basically what's happening. In Daniel chapter six, if you remember back to last week in Daniel chapter five, the Babylonian empire came to an end. King Belshazzar was killed. The Persian empire invaded the city that night, killed King Belshazzar and they took over. For whatever reason though, Daniel retained his status in the Persian empire. In fact, we, we know this about Daniel is that the Persian empire, King Darius at the time, uh, had Daniel be one of the three ruling administrators of the whole empire. What that meant is these three rulers, these three administrators oversaw 120 satraps. A satrap was kind of a combination between like a governor, a, a police chief, 
and uh, like the IRS, like tax collectors. That's what these satraps, the function that they carried out throughout the Persian empire. Daniel is one of three guys who oversaw all these hundred. He was a very, very important person. Uh, but even Daniel, even though he was one of three, Daniel's influence continued to rise and rise and rise with King Darius. So much so that these other administrators and even many of these satraps became very jealous of Daniel. They wanted to get Daniel completely out of the picture. So they come up, they come up with this plan to get him out of the picture. In fact, we read it here in, uh, in Daniel chapter six. This is verse four and five. It says, at this time, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. So they could find no corruption. They couldn't find anything about Daniel's life that was wrong. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. That brings us to the first component of integrity. If you want to be a man or a woman, a person of integrity, one of the things that we have to do is this. We have to pre-decide whom we will serve. This actually goes back, Daniel at this time in the story, in Daniel chapter six, he's about 70 or 80 years old. 70 or 80 years old. Daniel didn't become a man of integrity at 70 or 80. He became a man of integrity at 16 or 17 years old. Why? Because he predecided whom he would serve. In Daniel chapter one, if you remember this, when Daniel was first captured, was first captured by the Babylonians and brought to, to, to their empire, they put Daniel in this training course, this three-year training regimen where he would eventually start to serve the Babylonians. Now, the Babylonians, as a part of this training, took incredible care of Daniel and his three friends, his three Hebrew friends. The problem with that was this, was that they were fed incredibly well. But the way that they were fed, much of the food that they were given to eat, which was awesome food, was sacrificed to the God of the Babylonians. In, the, in their Hebrew scriptures, in their Hebrew law, there was a very strict command that they, these Hebrews were not to eat any food that was sacrificed to another God other than the God of Israel. So Daniel and his friends had a choice. They had a decision to make. Would they decide to stay faithful and to serve their God or would they serve their new master? Well, as you can see in verse eight of Daniel chapter one, it says, but Daniel resolved. Don't you love that word? He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And if you remember really briefly that the rest of that story, Daniel says, hey, if you just feed me and my friends fruit, vegetables, nuts, and water, you can keep the filet mignons to yourself. That's, that's what it cost Daniel in this sense. Check back in on us after three weeks and just see if we aren't more healthy than everybody else who's eating this other food. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. God took care of them in that moment. Integrity, doing what you ought to, even though it might cost you. 
requires, you have to pre-decide whom you're gonna serve. You have to pre-decide whom you're gonna serve. Continuing back, going back to Daniel chapter six. So in Daniel chapter six, after these guys realized there was nothing they could do to trip Daniel up, they came up with a plan in which they, they knew would, would cause him to stumble because of his faith. They used his faith as a weapon against them. Here's what they did in Daniel chapter six. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree, they created this decree, had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where, he, where the windows were opened towards Jerusalem. Now this decree, you can go back a slide there. This decree that they issued was, was basically this, is that if anyone, if anyone would pray to any other God other than King Darius, they would be thrown into the lion's den. That's the decree they came up with. So going ahead. So after that decree, it says three times a day, this is what Daniel would do. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had always done before. When Daniel learned about this decree, that if he continued to pray to his God, he'd be thrown into the lion's den, what did he do? Well, he focused on doing the right thing rather than the outcome of the thing. He focused on doing the right thing, no matter what the outcome would be. I don't, I don't know if you notice this in that verse, but it's, it says when he would pray, it said his windows were actually open. He wasn't trying to hide who he was praying to or how often he was praying. Integrity, it, having integrity is only possible when we're focused on doing the right thing, doing what we ought to rather than the outcome. That's an incredibly difficult thing for us to do. Because we, we always think about the outcome. We always think about, okay, what are my actions going to get me? We're more focused on the outcome rather than doing the right thing. Well, in Daniel chapter six, after Daniel prays three times a day, he's caught and uh, he's brought before King Darius and King Darius reluctantly because of this decree, throws him into the lion's den. Darius actually didn't want to put him in the lion's den because Darius actually, he loved Daniel. He respected Daniel. And if he could have found a way not to put Daniel in the lion's den, he would have gone with it. But because of this decree, he had to save face publicly. So he threw Daniel in the lion's den. And I think you know how the story goes. The rest of the story is God shut the mouths of the lions. And so Daniel survived a night with the lions. Daniel won. He won. I'd actually contend this though. Even if Daniel didn't survive in the lion's den, he'd already won. Why? Because winning is about doing the right thing rather than just the outcome of a thing. Now there is, as I mentioned, integrity, have integrity. There is a cost that comes with it. Doing what you ought to, even though it costs you. But there's also another side to that coin. And, and here's maybe the most important part of the message today. When you live lives of integrity, even though it might cost you something, there's always a greater payoff on the other side of integrity. The benefits of integrity far outweigh the cost of integrity. 
Um, and there, there aren't guaranteed outcomes, but I believe there are several benefits that are likely to happen when we live lives of integrity. Here, here's the first one. The first one is, is that often you'll have great opportunity. In those moments where doing what you ought to will very likely cost you something. There's a really good chance that you are on the verge of some incredible opportunity. There is something that God is just waiting to do if you'll prove yourself faithful. That's always on the other side, often on the other side of integrity. It was definitely true for Daniel. We saw it multiple times in his life. We see it again here. In fact, after Daniel survived the lion's den, when King Darius pulls him up out of the lion's den, uh, Darius is blown away that his God, Daniel's God has saved him. This is, what, this is what Darius decrees to all the nations. In Daniel chapter six and verse 25 to seven, listen to what King Darius says. It says, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the earth. Dan, he, he writes to everybody and the whole earth. And this is what he says. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree, this is a new decree now, that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Just think about that phrase for a second. It wasn't the God of Israel. It was the God of Daniel. Could you, could you imagine any better compliment in your life if someone who you've been around, you've spent time with, maybe a short amount, maybe a really long time. But as you have shared Jesus with them, could you imagine how incredible it would be if someone came up to you and said, says, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about Jesus, but if Jesus is anything like you, then I wanna know more about him too. That's what King Darius said about Daniel. It wasn't the God of Israel. It was the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. One benefit, one of the benefits of living a life of integrity is that when what you ought to do will likely cost you, you're very likely on the verge of an incredible opportunity God wants to do in your life. Here's the second benefit, is when you live a life of integrity, you will have influence. I think most of us would love to have influence, influence that actually matters in people's lives. For someone to say like, man, if I could just be more like you, that's a powerful statement. That means you have influence in their life. When we live lives of integrity, we will gain influence. Uh, I remember a story. This goes back to when I was in high school. So this is a long time ago. But in high school, for me, in my, my life, I grew up in a great church. I had great parents. My faith has always been really important to me. I, I, I mean, going back to a really young age, my faith has always been important to me. And uh, in high school, when I was in high school, uh, all of my friends, the people I knew in high school, knew that my faith was very important to me. Well, there was this one day after football practice, we were in the locker room. And those of you students who are with us, like back in like half a century ago, we actually would 
shower in the locker room after practice and games before we go home. I know that's kind of a, a bygone era now, but uh, we were in the locker room. We were just goofing off, having fun. I don't remember exactly what we were doing, but as I was joining in with all of my buddies, um, I let like a couple of cuss words slip. Honestly, I didn't think a lot about it. It was fun. We laughed. But as I was walking out of the locker room that day, one of my, one of my friends, one of my guys I'd known from a really young age, his name was Carmen. Uh, Carmen's life was, he, he was the farthest thing from faith. In fact, almost every other word out of Carmen's mouth was a cuss word. But as I was walking out of the, the locker room this day after he heard me joining in on all, you know, all this locker room talk, he said, Dave, he says, what are you doing? I was like, what, what, what do you mean? He's like, why were you talking like that? Why'd you cuss? I was like, why do you care? You do it all the time. And Carmen, he, 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 he looked at me and he said, he says, yeah, but you, you're better than that. You don't do that. There's always this gravitational pull to fit in. But what our world really wants is for us to stand out. And for those of you parents or grandparents are in the room, like I, I know you're thinking, man, that's such, man, I, man, I'd love nothing more for my teenager to hear that or the teenagers I know in my life. But it's true for us too, isn't it? Like even as adults, like that gravitational pull just to fit in with things that are happening around us is incredibly strong. But what our world really wants from us is for us to actually stand out. They love being around people of integrity. They desire that. And it's through our integrity, doing what you ought to, even though it might cost you, that we gain incredible influence in their life. I, I was reading a book a couple of weeks ago and I read this quote on this same theme that just really stuck out to me. The author's name is Ben Sixsmith. And Ben, he's not a Christian. He's not religious at all, which you'll see in this statement. But he, um, he does a lot of cultural research on all kinds of topics. And uh, one of the things that he's dabbled into is, is faith. Faith is a, a thing that's curious to him. But, but listen, listen to what he said out after some of his cultural research. He says, I'm not religious, so it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. Students, adults, God created us to stand out. He created us to look differently, to live lives of integrity, to do what we ought to, even when it might cost you. And even though it might feel like the world so much wants us to fit in, they really just need us to stand out. And like, and like King Darius said of Daniel, may you know the God of Daniel, may others 
say that same thing about you. May they know the God of your life because you represent him so well in this life. As I think about living integrity, those two characteristics of integrity that Daniel displayed for us, right? It's, it's pre-deciding whom you're gonna serve. That's really the best question I think for us when it comes to integrity is if you can answer that question, it sets yourself up. For the rest of your life, whom will you serve? And then have a focus on just doing the right thing and not worrying about the outcome of the thing. And why can we do that? It's because we fear God and who he is more than we fear man and what they can do to us. Father God, we're so grateful for this book, this study of Daniel and his life. Uh, God, we're so grateful that he, uh, he gave us an example of integrity. In our lives, God, may we learn to fear you above all else, above all others. And God, may we stand out. May others say of us, may others say of New Point Community Church that if, that if, if, if they could get to know the same God that we know, they know their lives would be so much better. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.